1: When Michael Gurion and I were much younger, and I mean much younger, this is back in the 1970s, so for some of you, that's stuff that you study in your history books. Uh, there was a, a very famous comedian by the name of Flip Wilson, and uh, he used to do a one-hour show every week. It was a comedy variety show, and he would dress up in different characters, and he would do sketch comedy, and, of course, they would have special guests on. And one of his characters, he played a female She was constantly getting herself into trouble, and then she would excuse herself by saying, the devil made me do it. And it sort of became a catchphrase for many years uh, back in the 1970s. And of course, people thought it was funny, and some people used it to try to get themselves out of trouble and and not take responsibility. Uh, But the reason why I bring that up is because our question for today made me think about it. And the question is framed much differently than a comedy bit. Uh, but it's a really good question uh, that we're going to focus on today. And so I'm going to bring Michael Gurian in. Michael, do, do you remember uh, Flip Wilson? Did you ever watch that when you were a kid?
2: I do. Oh, yeah. Oh. Pretty funny.
1: Yeah. So you actually had a TV. Uh, was it color by then or was it still black and white?
2: Well, I didn't have TV until I was around five because... We didn't have it before that. Then we were in India, and we didn't have TV in India. But when we got back to the U.S., I guess I was six, uh, we went to Wisconsin, and that's where I first saw a TV yeah. was in Wisconsin. And wow. I, I'm sure it was black and white. I don't remember color. Yeah.
1: Well, for, for those of you who are listening, most of you young parents, a black and white TV mean, meant that there was no color. <laughs> no uh, color. And it was in a box, not something you'd hold in your hands. So a very different world. But our question for today uh, is similar to to that, and um, we love doing our listener questions. It's really been the bulk of our show for the last uh, year or so. And if you do have a question, uh, you can submit it to us. You just go to wonderofparenting.com, wonderofparenting.com, and there is a place there, a submission form, where you can send us a question. And usually what happens is it goes to Michael, who sends it to me. And then I will get back to you to say, we did get it. It's in the queue. Don't worry. We'll get to it someday. And uh, that way you'll know that your question did get through to us. So please send your questions. We love them. They're always really good. And uh, you can also use thewonderofparenting.com to connect with our sponsors, uh, the Center a Place of Hope up in the Seattle area. And as we say every time we're on the air with you, they have a lot of great resources to help you and your families, uh, especially tackling some of those really challenging issues in life. And there's a, a, a place for you as well to find resources that uh, Michael's produced or I produced or we've produced together to help you uh, in your adventure of parenting and grandparenting your kids. So here is the question and uh i think it's a, a really good one and the reason for that is because my own grandson has used this kind of language so i'm, I'm curious to hear what michael's going to say he says hello i have a question about my three-year-old son He is a pretty normal toddler he plays well is great big brother to his baby sister and has really cute times and of course mixed in not so good times within the last few months he has been blaming his brain for bad actions After we tell him to stop doing something, and he repeatedly tests us doing that thing, we talk to him. A lot of the time he says his brain mixes up, or that he wants to stop and his brain makes him. Now, I'm not sure where he even got that concept of his brain, but it is worrying hearing him say that. I personally think it might be just him not understanding how the brain works, but it is still troubling for me to hear my son say this. All right, Michael. I'm guessing there's probably multiple answers to that question, and again, I'm curious because I have a grandson who has done the same thing, and we learned a few things about him. Let's start with this question: uh, Where do you want to start in your answer?
2: Mm. Well, uh, let me do a few things. Yeah, one is that it is pop, that, that he heard he did hear it somewhere. He's modeling it from somewhere. Maybe it's a show he's seen, or maybe someone else at school. If he's going to preschool, um, to get to acquire that language. And then he sounds, you know, like a really smart kid who does understand that that his brain is what motivates him or controls his behavior. Um, so that's pretty smart for three. And um, and then he's when he does things that he's maybe ashamed of or feel guilt, feels guilty about, he's got a good moral compass. It sounds like he is looking for a way to to make you know make an excuse or distance himself from it. Or assuage his guilt, or appease the other person, and he has uh, his caregiver, and so he's figured this out that there's some disconnect in him that that makes him do these things, which it doesn't sound like are very very bad, but they're not not good behavior, um, and there's an internal disconnect for him, and he's trying to figure out well why since I wanted to do the right thing, uh, or the right things a little too much for him, but he wanted to do the thing the caregiver wanted him to do. He didn't want to do the bad thing, but he did it anyway. So, what is that? So, he's understanding that he doesn't have impulse control. And um, and so, all of that's very smart for three. Um, second thing I would say is, you know, it could end up that his, his, there is something going on in his brain, uh, that he has some sort of um, uh, learning disability or or behavioral uh, disorder or behavioral challenge, you know, BD. I mean, that is possible, and so it's possible that these parents will learn that. That that isn't yet indicated in this email, so I don't I don't know that that will happen. But everyone should always be thinking that. Well, maybe he's he's got some brain anomalies that are going to appear later, and we're going to get help for those and and help him through those. the The third thing I would say is um, that as they talk to him, I, I I think it's okay that he says my brain made me do it because he figured that out. And they will just want to talk to him, I think, about case by case, like each thing. Okay, so you did this thing. So that's called, you know, that's an impulse. So your brain creates impulses, you know, and I would go with it. I would just keep going with the language and, and see how smart he is and se- see if he's able to to repeat back impulse, you know, and make it a kind of uh, game and make it a sort of a new language for him since he's already gone down this road without accepting the bad behavior. Um, uh, but I kind of think it's neat that a three-year-old can can do this. So as long as it lasts, I-, I would go with it. And I think at a certain point, it won't last. Like, this child will stop saying this. He'll say something else.
1: Yeah, it's sort of hard to tell, right, at, at the age of three, uh, what what's really going on with the son. And I, I, I appreciate you saying that uh you know if there are some issues they will come to light probably uh in the next few years and the parents want to look for that so if let's assume that the boy is okay and um your recommendation there is just sort of play along and then and use those opportunities for uh, you know I'll put words in your mouth at this point some values training uh some some uh thinking through from the point of view of a three-year-old uh why we do what we do and why sometimes we don't do the things we should do and we do the things that we shouldn't do. Um, but yeah. uh, in the, uh, to take it a step further, um, this was an issue that we had with my one of my grandsons. And when he would say, my brain made me do that or my brain just can't figure it out, we could tell in the way that he was talking, it was almost as if he was looking into his brain and you could just sense he was digging into his brain to try to figure out why this was going on and we discovered in the process that uh, he has several learning challenges he's dyslexic and he's got a few other things as well and so he really understood which is amazing to me that his brain wasn't firing the way that he thought it should fire and that was a that became a, a, a one of the clues that we looked for uh when we sense that maybe something isn't quite right in the way that he learns and he's just going to need some help in processing uh which he's working on now these last few years so um so let's play this out a little bit for these parents let's say that their son does have something going on in the, his brain what are some things that they should look for
2: uh they should look for other other people like his preschool you know people in his preschool the teachers there the teachers aides um Uh, If he goes and he plays somewhere else with other kids, has play dates, uh, you know, those parents, grandma, grandpa, like you guys, if if they're in this in with um, this family. So like be listening to these other people, too, and see what they are seeing. See if they're seeing um, a a learning difference or a learning challenge or something that that is uh, a behavioral challenge, you know, And, and get get the community involved in helping figure this out. Because he's only three, so so uh, not a lot going to happen yet, you know, especially unless he he's involved in a preschool situation and the parents start getting pushback. Um, not going to be a lot there yet, but by four, by five, I would say definitely. If he has some brain anomalies, uh, they're going to show up in, in his community, and there's going to be two or three other people, adults, along with the parents saying, there's something going on here, there's something going on here. Um, so rely on the community to help figure out what's going on with him. I would say it would be my best piece of advice for a three-year-old. So
1: what you're saying is kind of what we experienced, that there were several of us who could see uh, in our grandson that there were there were things in his brain that he seemed to be struggling with, and then that finally bore itself out, and other people would see that uh, in our children uh, if they're right. paying attention. So I, I think what we do want to do is a disclaimer once again for this particular family that you're not diagnosing any problem it just could be a really wise kid who's three years old trying to figure out impulse control um which is amazing and it could be they're just raising a very very smart intuitive kid
2: yeah yeah he, i i think based on this email i would say yes i would yep. say yes to that we just it does allow us to to talk about this other subject but right. yeah i'm definitely not diagnosing and i'm not and i'm as you know and as my listeners and listeners know i'm not I kind of like to let things wait a bit. I mean, I don't think we should be diagnosing kids at three uh, unless something very severe is going on, then, of course. So we need to kind of wait. We need to be doing our our parenting magic, our teaching magic, you know, working with the child, and then really kind of see who this child is. With this child, I just think he got this term from somewhere, and and so my suggestion is go with it. uh, because his self-consciousness, his self-awareness is very interesting for a three-year-old. Yes. You know, and I yeah. would be curious to see what he does at 20. You yeah. know, he's this self-aware at three and he's this linguistic at three. Um, uh, uh, and let me just add that that there's something about making excuses in here that we can also talk about, which I'm going to jump off of this email again. I'm not going to say this kid's making excuses. But, but you know, it's a... It, this is a nice age to make sure to focus with a kid on okay you can't you know you can't really make an excuse. If you do something wrong, you know you're going to be in timeout. Um the excuse doesn't really help you. It, it's natural for you to make an excuse, everyone does, but they they hopefully these parents won't be so enamored of this very smart kid that they'll let him get away with the things that are <laughs> right. aren't good, you know. We right. want to definitely like you said values training. Uh, And just kind of go with this language and we could maybe talk about maybe after our break talk about excuse making and and what's going on with kids on that. Yeah,
1: yeah, I think that's a great topic because when when I read this email, my first response was just to sort of chuckle and think this is a really smart kid. And uh, what a great way for a three year old to try to articulate what he has no idea what he's saying, uh, where there's impulse control or he's doing something he doesn't want to do and and it's like the rest of us why did i do that what was i thinking right. and uh, so i mean it's really a, an amazing email but it does raise then some great questions about how do we at various ages begin to talk about excuse making impulse control and and then really training our kids around that whole issue of train of of impulse control
2: yeah yeah let's talk about that that yep. impulse yep. control and self regulation yeah let's do that because it's such a good topic
0: All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month and six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, it is Ryan and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the
2: with the, the brain of course is gonna be impulsive. It's gonna um, and at three, I mean a lot of what it's doing is impulsive at three. And then moving all the way through, part of the great thing about it, our impulses is this is this is how we become experiential learners. So we actually want kids to be impulsive. We We want them to be experiential in that way that they're out in the world. You know, they're having these impulses, they're getting corrected or they're so and, and at a certain point they're self-correcting um these impulses and they've learned, they've learned uh, proper socialization, what to do in, in society with others. A lot of it happens in, in preschool, in, in childcare, you know, in those early years, birth to five. Um uh then there's another set five to ten, you know, where where they have some more self-control, but they're still learning. So impulse is a good thing. And and this is why I'm kind of into the three times rule for, for things that, that parents, that uh, teachers, that that people are thinking are, you know, I don't want you to do that. That's bad behavior. I My my rule is, okay, if the child has put himself or another person in danger, then he doesn't get, you know, three times. That's it. It's done. That was wrong. It was, you know, bad. It was whatever we want to say. Everyone has their own language. You're in timeout. You can't do that. Um, but if a child is not putting himself, herself, or someone else in danger, I kind of, I, I, I don't think we want to punish right away. You know, I think we want to go, uh, like, I'll use this case, my brain made me do it. Okay, you know it wasn't the right behavior though, right? Yep, no, nope. I know it wasn't the right behavior. Or, I think it's okay, this is the child, and then the adult says, well, no, here's why not. With a three-year-old, that's a lot of conversation, but by seven, that's a good conversation. Um you know and then the child does it again a week later or or two days later or an hour later next next time more learning okay now remember i told you you couldn't do that uh why do you think you did that or you know everyone has their own language and all the languages that parents use are fine um and then the child uh makes excuses or goes through something or you know and then the parent corrects that and says well no that's just an excuse you're not taking responsibility you need to take responsibility Right? And there's that conversation. But we're not really punishing the child yet because no one was in danger. The child is learning. The child is testing. Then the third time, you know, for something like something that's kind of mundane, I would say, okay, now the, the punishment comes, or we call it the discipline comes, and it's the timeout. Okay? Give you these three chances, incorrect behavior. Here are, Here's the consequence. And um, if the kids are trained in that, I, I think you know by 789 actually most of them or a lot of them are going to self regulate before the third time because they got it they they by the first time no they couldn't self regulate but by the second time before they hit the second time they're going to go oh yeah no that's not right i shouldn't do that and then the impulses will be left for big things like like guys jump you know a teenage guy jumping off a uh, a house onto a, into a pool. Okay. <laughs> yep. Which is high risk behavior and which I'm putting in a different category. Um, so I, I kind of, I, part of what I like to teach is that impulses are not bad, actually. Mm-hmm. They're experiential learners, but if you're looking for a structure, you know, of course, trust yourself as a parent uh, and also consider the three times rule for things that are not dangerous, that are not big, you know, that are small.
1: Yeah. Well, I had an impulse control thing last night. I, as you know, I, I really try to watch my, my diet, and uh, we had the grandkids over, so it was pizza night, and I, uh-huh. I try not to imbibe, but I had three big pieces of pizza and two big pieces of pizza dessert, so there was no impulse control <laughs> last night.
2: And I'm glad uh, you had that, though. You yeah, needed it.
1: <laughs> yeah, but my my brain made me do it. Actually, my, It, it my, did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that my, that need for for carbohydrates but we do even as adults right we still find those times where uh, what was I thinking which is the same way as saying my brain made me do it what was I thinking and right. um, so to try to give our kids at least some sort of understanding uh, of these things I, I think that's really a great insight impulse uh, is not bad it's a great way to learn uh, the question I uh, that that came to my mind of course because we, we tend to talk about differences between males and females does impulse control work a bit differently in a boy brain versus a girl brain?
2: Well, it does. Yeah, it's and and it's about executive function, you know, and if anyone is in any of the school systems right now or going to parenting classes, you're hearing about executive function. And it's a very hot topic and it it really is what all of human development has been about, you know, since the beginning of time. H- executive function. How do we get the impulses in a child's brain that are that are being stimulated in the amygdala and you know the middle part of the brain, um, even somewhat in the in the brainstem, but mainly in the mid part of the brain. How do we get those pathways that that connect the mid part of the brain up to the prefrontal, the frontal, the orbital frontal? These these parts of the brain at the top, uh, which make executive decisions for the brain. How do we get those pathways to to develop um, in a developmentally appropriate way and Uh, and that's a lot of what we do when we socialize kids. It's a lot of what we do when we train kids, even when we punish kids, you know, we're trying to get their frontal lobe to override the impulse. And when you look at male female difference, there are a lot of ways, a lot of reasons that males are uh, at their baseline, more impulsive than females. It doesn't mean, I mean, the area where females tend to be more impulsive actually is verbal. Um, they have so much going on in the verbal centers of their brain, and and they will get an impulse in the in the midbrain. I'm talking about like nastiness or girl drama, those sorts of things, and they can't stop themselves. You know, they just say something terrible to uh, their friend, or they text something terrible. Um, that's an area where girls tend to be vulnerable. Um, but in 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 terms of physical impulse and social impulse. So what is in the society considered good behavior? Girls tend to be better. And the, the reason is that there are so much more uh, pathway development so much earlier in the female brain between the midbrain and the top of the brain. And the reason that the brain is templated this way, this is a sex difference between male and female brains. The reason it's templated this way is because for a million years, depending on when you start counting, or, or a few thousand years, whenever people start counting, females have had to um, uh, control their impulses because by 12 or 13, they started having kids and, you know, they were doing childcare. And um, it's only recent that females are having children later. So, most of, you know, m- that DNA, that XX DNA, the way it affects brain development has affected the brain to template toward quicker impulse control. And even in adolescence, we see it that, that no adolescent has perfect impulse control, but you know, in the aggregate, females have better impulse control than males because in adolescence—and here's another brain difference—males are getting hit with testosterone. They've been getting testosterone their whole lives, but they get massive hits of it, obviously, in adolescence. Females get some, but not as much. Testosterone is an aggression chemical. It pushes them to be even more risk-taking. And so, the you know, and meanwhile, the frontal is trying to get these pathways developed while this guy is being pushed to take incredible risk— And um, not every boy will take risks. All all generalizations aside, but still, you know, on average, this is what we see. And and uh, the male brain is was not templated to try to control all these impulses by ten or by eleven. It's templated um, uh, to to push itself because what it was needed for for most of humanity's development, it was needed for higher risk occupations, for higher risk life. That does include war, um, but also climbing to the top of buildings and building skyscrapers you know whatever it is it was needed for that and and um, it was also needed as a as a parent to be the more high-risk parent the parent that was pushing more independence on kids so we have these these sex differences and while there are a lot of bridge brains and there are a lot of boys who are, are not impulsive a lot of girls who are still parents shouldn't be surprised if these they see these sex differences and if they're if they're having more trouble all the way through adolescence, trying to help their males self-regulate these impulses. And one of the reasons that character development has been so crucial to human development, uh, especially for males, like the rites of passage programs that you and I developed and the rites of passage that males were put through historically um, at 12, at 13, at 14. These things existed because all of our ancestors knew males did not self-regulate as well. And they wanted to get all this passion and all this this um energy regulated toward sacred work honorable work um and, and then general toward self-regulation so that they could marry and have children
0: Judy was boring hello then Judy discovered jumbacasino.com
1: it's my little escape
0: now Judy's the life of the party
1: oh baby mama's bringing home the bacon
0: whoa take it easy Judy <laughs> even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
2: So it's a, I'm glad you asked that question. You notice I have a lot to say. <laughs> well,
1: and it's, it's such good stuff. And and of course, you know, we started out with a little boy who said, my brain made me do it, right. which has brought us to this point, which is exactly what we're talking about. Sort of that whole process of, of self-regulation. My my final question for you, as you were talking, uh, I was thinking about how um, our definitions uh, of teenage years, young adult years, have really shifted dramatically over the last few years. And the concept of being teenagers, so to speak, is really a fairly new construct in society, kind of was birthed out of World War II, in a sense. Yep. And, of course, now we we talk about how the teenage years are running almost up to the thirties for some people yep. uh, or that childhood is extending into the teen years. So how have some of these social constructs, so to speak uh, affected impulse control? Do you think?
2: Yeah, I think that we are, we are extending the time frame of maturation and part of maturation is impulse control and self-regulation. That's part of what it is to be mature. You you know how to control your impulses and you know how to self-regulate. And because parents are doing everything through their kids, because kids are like they're 16, let's say, and they're not working, they're playing video games or they're just on social media, you know, and they're not working. They're not inv- involved in things that would help them build impulse control that would help them mature. Um, I, I think that I i don't say I think. I think we all agree. Everyone in the field agrees that kids are it's taking them longer to mature. And so that means it's taking them longer to control their impulses. And we're seeing it, I actually think as a society we're seeing it. We're seeing like the Twitterverse and all of that. We're seeing impulsive people at 30, 40, they can't control their impulses. You know, they're saying things in social media that are that are nuts. That are mean, you know they they just can't control those impulses. So I, I would like us to see us understand that and and be developmental with our kids and and look at what they're capable of uh, in terms of impulse control. Allow them allow them the three times rule so that they get the experiential learning and they self regulate rather than us just shutting off the behavior right away, which would be very what I call authoritarian, where you know the first second it happens you're punished but also not be permissive where they get to do this thing, you know, 20 times and we clean up after them. I'd like to see us be in the middle, authoritative parenting, three times rule or less based on the situation and um, and consequences, um, but we're allowing them to be who they are. So like with boy energy, we're allowing that energy to be impulsive and we're setting up our systems to to be a safe container. And this is especially the case for boys where they, where we don't want to be hitting them, you know, first time you you jumped on someone else in a preschool, that must be bad. Nope, that's not what we're saying. We want to let him be who he is, but also understand that um, he has to control the impulses. And we meet in the middle with like a three times rule. Um, uh, and we don't have to be authoritarian or permissive. I think we've had too much permissive. We've actually had much more permissive parenting in the last 30, 40 years than authoritarian uh, but we've had some authoritarian parenting, and I just would like to see us be authoritative, be real parents, and I think we'll do it.
1: I, I want to recommend your book, uh, Particular Parents of Boys, uh, and it's the, the purpose of boys, uh, because par- much of what you're talking about when it comes to helping our boys with their impulse control is to give them a vision of what a good man looks like. and that, And as you said, that takes training. It doesn't mm-hmm. just happen, it takes training. And uh, so to train our boys, to give them a vision uh, of uh, who they can be, what a good man looks like, how to use all of that energy. And, of course, the same is said for our daughters in the 21st century. Uh, What does it look like to be a good, wise woman in the 21st century and and to use uh, that feminine energy uh, in ways that are productive and healthy for her and for society? And uh, so since this was a question about boys uh, and a 3-year-old boy, uh parents who are who are starting to move their kids into the teenage years will probably find uh the purpose of boys helpful and as always we want to recommend uh the minds of girls and uh saving our sons because there's great insight into that as well
2: yeah and since they're and they're newer but you're right the purpose of boys um is is as people can tell from the title it's all about the developmental journey of getting males from you know this one two three impulse stage let's say to a life of purpose so it's really neat you mentioned that one. I can see why you mentioned it.
1: So we want to uh, thank our, our listener for writing in this question. It gave us a chance to uh, expand the discussion a little bit and, and uh, hopefully hit some topics that will affect all of you as you're raising your kids or grandparenting your kids. And uh, again, we want to say thanks to our good friends at the Center of Place of Hope. You can learn more about them at wonderofparenting.com. Also encourage you to join our Facebook page. We have some great conversations going on there where where parents are sharing some of their challenges and other parents are chiming in with uh, advice and experiences of their own. So it's a great way to get some instant access uh, to other people and to talk about some of the things that you're going through as parents, uh, because we can't always get to it as quickly as we maybe can on Facebook. So I hope you'll uh, join us there as well. Michael, as always, thank you so much for your insights.
2: Well, thank you, Tim. You directed me very well into all sorts of (laughs) deep caves. (laughs) Well, it
1: it was very good. Thank you. And we will be back with you again for our next podcast, number 78, coming up in a week. Thanks